Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. Julie, it is March the 2nd, and can you believe it is now we're into the third month of 2021, I and I have good news for you. What's that? By this time last year, there was rumors of a pandemic <laughs> that was spreading. Do you remember? I know. We were in Amelia Island, yeah. Florida, basically. We were. That's right. Yep. It and, was right before our birthday week. And people were starting to freak out, and like I remember nobody knew what was going on. The news was just starting to break about a pandemic. What's a pandemic? Will it ever, you know, what's, what are the ramifications? Everything yeah. was up in the air. And we were in Amelia Island, Florida, and there was a high density of, you know, it was a big car concourse thing. And everything was, you know, moving along. But there was this undercurrent of uncertainty. And you could tell some people were starting yeah. to really get emotionally kind of, you it know. It was very uncomfortable. And it was. it was just starting to work. You know, people hadn't worked out. I don't think people were masking yet, actually. And people hadn't really worked out the whole fist bump thing. You weirdos were doing like ankle bumps and all kinds of strangeness. But it, yeah. it, it was awkward. Uh, that was our last trip before, you know, everything kind of hit the fan. Have we you ever noticed that weirdos, generally uh, speaking, like to, uh, you know. Congregate at car shows? No. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> but no, I was going to say they like to ankle bump with you. I mean, well, I don't know no, what about I you that know. has that. You have that weirdo That's just ankle. with you. Yeah. Oh, is that it? <laughs> okay. Well, so today we are going to um, we're going to answer some questions that we've been receiving, and what Julie and I look for is we look for what we call question trends. We have this is the you know the United States maybe the world's largest probably is the world's largest daily podcast for real estate professionals. We estimate there's something like 20 million agents in the world. There's uh, over 2 million agents in the United States, something like 1.3 million or something that are members of the National Association of Realtors. But we're here to tell you with 100% certainty that those numbers globally for active real estate professionals or those seeking to become real estate professionals, but they have real estate licenses and they're learning how to be professionals is probably a better way of saying it, more honest way of saying it. Uh, it's going to explode. And uh, we're seeing signs from every corner of the real estate industry that the number of people that are getting into the business, like I said, is really going to multiply over the next really six to 12 months. As um, a lot of people have their pre-licensing done and they're you know trying to get their state tests scheduled and California has pushed out a year and all these different things. But as, as the pandemic starts to, uh, you know, ebb, and we were going to see more and more uh, places opening up and more and more new licensees. And so it's incredibly important for those of you who are already in the business to understand that a lot of the people getting into the business, um, they are a lot, they were gainfully employed. In some cases, they were gainfully employed in managerial or you know, really senior sales roles. So they're going to be approaching real estate. And we're seeing this in our podcast questions. We're seeing this in our coaching members. We have guys in the 20 years, Julie and I have been in the coaching and training industry for real estate agents and selling real estate ourselves. I have never seen this many non-licensees joining our coaching program. And that's exceptional. I mean, it just, it occasionally you'd see something like that. We didn't really meter it that Closely, but now I'm hearing from our um, our new member coaches that a lot of non licensees are joining, and why? Because they're anticipating getting into real estate and they want to hit the ground running. So this is kind of, I think, maybe a um, 
I noticed all of you who have maybe been a little bit complacent on your sales skills that the tides are quickly going to change as more professional people or more professionally minded people enter into the industry. So you better get your skills on. Um, so Julie, before we get to your questions, I was on our Clubhouse event this morning, which mm-hmm. thank you for participating, by the way. Sure, sure. And guys, it's called uh, Real Estate Masterclass, um, and it's uh, Real Estate Masterclass Mindset, Motivation, and Money. If you want to join us, it starts at 8 a.m. East Coast time. And one of the questions I posed to our large group today is, what would you, like if you had to take five listings in the next two weeks, were you on it when I asked that question? Yes, I was on the second half after you already asked it. Right, yeah. so it ran for two hours today. We run as long, and we have other moderators still pick up the ball when Julie and I have to bounce off the event. But the question that I posed to the group, and it was a great conversation, was uh, if you had to take five listings in uh, two weeks or you lose your house and you don't want to lose your house, right? There's the motivation. There's a motivation. How would you do it? And what I was really thrilled about is not all these people are Harrisites, right? They're not real. Not all of them are Harris coaching clients or podcast listeners. Some of these people are just people that are from our EXP group, but they're not real. You're not real studied on Julie and I's philosophy of how to build a long-term, ever-increasing profitable real estate practice. Um, so they didn't. They, they weren't trying to placate us with their answers, but it was. And some of them were deeply rooted in the whole, you know, passive marketing um, realm of the real estate world, where you know you're in essence buying your leads through branding and social networking and all that. But when I posed the question to some of these diehard, even people that are diehards against actual being proactive prospectors, um, they all said the same thing. They pick up the phone, and I thought that was so awesome that they're frankly honest, because it it is. You guys get the significance of that. So I'm going to ask all of you podcast listeners, tens of thousands of you listening, if you had to take five listings the next two weeks or you'd lose your house, how, how would you do it? And I didn't – here's maybe a way of framing that if you're trying to come up with your answer is what would you stop doing? Yeah. You know, and, and that was, I thought, a really good um, discussion on our Clubhouse event today because it really did cut through the BS. It's a great you, question. It, it is. It is a great question. You know what's funny because we've done that before is that – Everybody knows what to do. You know, a lot of times people will kind of seem like, oh, you know, I'm out floating in the wind. I don't have any direction. I'm not following any kind of plan. And then you ask them if it was between keeping your house and losing your house, what would you do to get five listings in the next two weeks? Like that, they have the answer in, in most cases. But you know what's really interesting too? All of that. But normally, if for example, like, but the two weeks, so why did I frame the question like that, guys? It's because everyone is more motivated by losing something they already have than motivated by, say, trying to win an award or a prize or whatnot. So if you're looking really to create motivation in yourself where you think about where you're the most motivated, it's always when you're fearful of losing something you already have. So yeah. why don't you get, everyone's like that, by the Much way. Much more motivational. Totally. I mean, look at how people act when, like, you know, they get into some kind of financial hiccup, whether that's a surprise tax bill or a surprise, you know, medical bill, all of a sudden you find your motivation. So that is the reason I frame the question that way. So I want you guys to feel the fear of losing something you already have because innate in that fear is going to be after the initial surge of fear hits you is going to be the resolution. And your you be, your mind becomes myopic with its uh, essentially the, the its solution. Your mind instantly goes to what the truth is. Uh, which is basically you're going to get into you're going to essentially be a proactive lead generator. So even the most diehard passive, you know, marketing branding types that are uh, frequenting our clubhouse events, they immediately dropped all of that Mickey Mouse and they went to in. I'm going to get in front of as many people as I possibly can. I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to you know call. I'm going to absolutely be the best pre qualifier ever. Yeah, it's like you miraculously find that honed in skill set, and it, it's 
yes, I think the most important thing is being proactive lead generator, but there's other things that come along with that, that they have that light bulb reignite, like, you know, answer the phone when people call you, don't send everybody to voicemail, don't have never ending lead follow-up, actually be on top of your lead follow-up because, you know, the first thing they do is go through their list of people that would be, quote, easier to convert to a listing, right? Well, why aren't you doing that normally? You know, so all of those good habits come to light when you dial up the fear factor. So there was another faction on our um, clubhouse this morning who were dyed in the wool, centers of influence. I'll never pick up the phone. I'll never do anything proactive. I want to basically, you know, amiable the world and eventually yeah. the leads will flow my way. And okay. So the question was, again, if you had to take five listings in two weeks, how would you do it? So even the most amiable dyed in the wool, uh, centers of influence and past client types who are just going to friend and bond and relationship uh, the person to death, they too knew what their tra- correct answer was. why is that? Well, it's because when you go the path of being, uh, you know, essentially centers of influence of past clients, where you're just going to drip love on them all day, you're not going, you're, there's no guarantee you're actually going to generate That's a lead. That's the rub, right? You, that is the you rub. You can't say with a, without a shadow of a doubt that you would get five listings in the next two weeks. Right. Now, you, you may very well, okay, if you've been really good at it for a really long time, you've got enough people and you've been very consistent, maybe, maybe, but probably not. It's not predictable or duplicatable. That does not mean you shouldn't be doing it. It just means that it's not predictable and duplicatable. You know, I have to say, Julia, as I'm looking at you, you have your uh, premier coaching session that's right after this on yeah. Facebook Live, mm-hmm. and you're wearing metallic lipstick. <laughs> that is going to look hilarious on Facebook Live. Do not change it. Okay. Okay. I want him to think that you've been having too many oranges or something. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit, yeah. It's, there, it's, it's a different color. It's yeah. the reflective nature of Puerto Rico and your personality. Oh, yes, but it's light color. You as like your that. birthday is coming up next week. Indeed. Well, so that's the thing is that you know the truth. You know what you're supposed to do. Now, some of you are going to be newer agents or inexperienced agents with regard to the listing properties. And so you're thinking, well, there's some sort of like tower of Modor you have to climb up and you have right. to pass through some sort of, you know, throw some, you know, golden ring into the fire pits of, you know what I'm saying here? I'm trying to make you guys laugh. But the reality of it is, is you can be a buyer's agent the second you get a real estate, I'm sorry, a listing agent the second you get your real estate license. There's no rule anywhere no market forces anywhere that are telling you that you have to suffer, especially in this market. I mean, in the literal mm-hmm. sense, uh, working with buyers in this market is an act of futility in many cases. So if you want to ensure your success the fastest, learn how to be a listing agent. And everyone on our clubhouse knew it. Yes, absolutely. I had a, a great comment from one of our Facebook Live Premier Coaching members. Uh, I think it was Friday. And he said, you know, I haven't been licensed that long, but I do have an active listing. I'm really working it hard. I'm getting open house leads, and I'm sure it's going to sell this weekend. And I'm seeing, this was from a newer agent's, really new agent's perspective. He said, you know, I'm seeing what the buyer agents are going through. I am always going to be a listing agent. It's like from the get-go, he recognizes that, maybe because he's been listening to the podcast, whatever, but he's he now that he's in it, He's very much seeing the difference because, you know, buyer agents are pretty clear that that is physical labor right now and mental labor. You guys are having to deal with more mental labor than ever before. And being a listing agent is more of a mental uh, skill. It's a skill-based thing. Yes. Right. So anyway, that was a fun experience for me. Of course, I... It would have been, I was hoping that some people would try to you know, dig you. their heels in and like <laughs> argue that centers of influence and past clients or marketing or branding was the course uh, to take if you wanted five listings in two weeks. But all of them knew the truth. Yeah. And I just think that's really fascinating. Well, you know? and again, it's not, we're not preaching against that. We're just saying it's five listings in two weeks. 
You know, that's different when well, you put a time frame on it. And of course, the challenge I laid down to everyone is take five listings in two weeks. And then the secondary question, though I didn't pose this, would be what then do you have to stop doing? Mm-hmm. And basically, for most of them, it was they'd have to stop doing pretty much all the goofiness that they know is goofiness that they're doing. The time-wasting to, stuff. To, to try to convince themselves uh, that they're actually you know, in real estate working, you know, creating leads and working on their branding. They know exactly what they were supposed to do. They were just waiting for permission, shall I say, for someone to suggest that they actually do it. Because guys, the ramifications of taking five listings, maybe it's not two weeks, maybe it's a month, that could set your year up. That could set your years up. Especially when you know you can do it. Right. That, that's everything the thing. changes when you figure out that you do have that power. And so I hope none of you are in a situation where you have to be fearful of losing your house uh, if you don't take five listings in two weeks. But at the same time, everyone, at least mentally, psychologically, you have to accept the fact that that would be the greatest blessing mm-hmm. that uh, you could actually fall prey to because that would then put, that would create <laughs> massive motivation. And your instant, your brain's instant reaction would just be to filter all the Mickey Mouse that you guys spend so much time doing every single single day. So we are, by the way, um, before we get to our first point, Julie, and the first question is. Okay. So we're doing some things from our mailbag, which is the combination of text, emails, etc. And keep an eye on your timing there. I know. We might not do I all am. three. Okay. So the first one is fairly simple. Well, and it's what should I expect from my broker? But before we get to yeah. the answer from uh, Julie, please remember you guys can request a, uh, I'm sorry, I want to give you guys our real estate treasure map. Yes, the book is for sale on Amazon. And yes, if you want to spend $20 on buying it, you can, but I'd much rather just give it to you. And the real estate treasure map is your fill in the blank business and life plan. This is what you need at any point in your real estate career to really set you in the right direction. It, it will help you cut through all the malaise, but what it'll do mostly, it's going to make it so that once you have your GPS coordinates set in place, you will know you will know exactly how to get to where you want to go in your real estate business. It's called the Real Estate Treasure Map. It's kind of a cheesy name, but it really is app name. So all you guys got to do is text 2021 to 855-685-1045. I'll say it slower. Text 2021 to 855-685-1045. Again, text 2021 to 855-685-1045. And we'll text you a link to the Real Estate Treasure Map as long, as well as Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate. In addition to that, we're also going to have uh, somebody to call you and offer you a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches. So all of this costs you nothing. It's our way of saying thank you for being a loyal podcast listener. Uh, many of you will uh, become coaching clients. Some of you will then decide to take the next step and become part of Julie and I's EX. EXP group. If you'd like to talk to Julie and I about Julie and I being your personal sponsors at EXP Realty, just text me directly. This is a separate text number. If you want to join EXP and you're looking for the right sponsor, just text me directly at 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. So Julie, the first question is, and this is a mailbag question, and we've gotten this question a lot, again, because mm-hmm. the a huge amount of new agents it. getting into the business, mm-hmm. is what should I expect from my broker? Yeah, what should you expect from your broker? What a great question. So it's here's it's almost easier to say what not to expect to answer that question. First point is it is not your broker's job to provide I'm sorry, let, let's start positive. It is your broker's job to provide legal place for you to do business. That is their job. To handle earnest money deposits and to pay you on time. But that's it. Those three things. Yep. That's their job. That is legally the job. That is legally their and, job. And, and I want to really underline this. How many real estate licenses do you have, my dear? I don't even 
know, a whole bunch of them. Uh, three, right? Yeah. And how many broker's licenses do you have? One. One. Okay. And and all the state licensing and pre-licensing and post-licensing that you've yeah. taken in the three different states uh-huh. in which you have licenses, yeah. that is basically what a broker's job is. That's your job. job. Now, there's a lot of other words around that in the training, of course. But the bottom line is it's your broker's job to provide a legal place for you to do business, handle earnest money deposits, and pay you on time. And you know what's amazing about that, Tim? I, I think we should probably add and to maintain uh, E&O insurance. Yeah. But well, beyond but that, that. But in some states, that's it, not even. That's I, true. That's yeah, not even required. It, isn't that crazy? Shocking. It's, it's shocking. shocking. Okay. Uh, but, you know, there's been, I've had uh, calls with coaching clients where their brokers aren't even paying them on time, which boggles the minds. So. Well, the answer the solution, by the it's way. change brokers. It's change brokers. But really where you should go with all this is it's not your broker's job to make you successful. It's not your broker's job to make you work. It's not your broker's job to teach you any sales skills. It's not your broker's job to give you leads. It's merely your broker's job because in many states there has to be a broker for every sales agent. So that's what your broker's job is. And then your broker is held responsible for your pay paperwork and your agency forms and all that. And you behaving mouse. ethically. Yeah. You know, but, but it's not your broker's job to provide you leads. Any of the things that Tim said, it is your job. Okay. It's not your broker's job to transaction coordinate, put out fires or negotiate for you. It's not even their job to train you up. Nope. Okay. So stop having those expectations and you can stop being disappointed. And so if your question then is, what is my broker's job? It's virtually nothing. That is their legal responsibility to you. And if you want to get into the weeds, it's why is it that the brokers don't take more, uh, don't hold their agents more accountable? Well, there's there's a very simple answer is because frankly, many of you don't want to be held accountable. Uh, That's really the main answer. But the other answer, is is because you're independent contractors. You're not an employee of the broker. They're and actually not legally allowed to hold you that accountable. That is the essence of it. If a broker starts treating you as an employee in states like California, where they start telling you to show up and do certain things at certain around a certain schedule, then hypothetically, someone could make a claim that that broker is treating them like an employee, and then they've got all kinds of other ancillary problems. So the reality of it is, is the broker in, has been essentially uh, trained to do as little as possible so that there's the least likelihood that the broker will ever be accused of treating those agents like um, employees. And I know that sounds like semantics, but unfortunately, guys, that is the reality that we're in. So understand that it's your job to make you responsible. It is your job to learn how to sell. It is your job. How to, you know you hire a coach to help you hold yourself accountable. Obviously, it's your job to learn how to do all the things necessary for you to be successful in real estate. It honestly is not your broker's job even to mentor you, even to help you fill out a form. So you guys got to be really, really clear on that. Um, now, obviously, you can join a broker that has those ancillary services, has overlays to the minimum standards that's required for him or her being a broker. Uh, like EXP Realty, when you're a new agent and you join, you're given a mentor, basically, for your first three transactions. You choose a sponsor at EXP that's going to help you along the way. So there's lots of – and a lot of other brokerages operate the same way. So just choose wisely um, and then talk to other agents, uh, new agents if you're a new agent and, or if you're switching. If you're in a uh, real estate agent now and you're in a broker – brokerage that's not providing any support and you want to go to a brokerage that's, you know, essentially surround it, created a working environment that's something that's going to be more conducive to your success, then you also want to, you know, maybe gravitate in that direction, guys. And bottom line is, is your success is your responsibility, nobody else's. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. That's what you replace complaining about your broker with. If it's it's meant to be, it's up to me. That means you're in control. All right, Julie, the next question that we received quite a few times in the past maybe month is how do I raise, in different you know, ways they ask mm-hmm. this question, but how do I raise my average sale price? Well, so fortunately for all of you guys, or probably 95% of you, the market is doing this for you currently. Okay, There's not a lot of professions where what you get paid follows up. You know, 
with the market, right? So if your average sale price last year was 400, it might be five or 600 this year, and you're still getting paid off that percentage. So the market is largely helping you with this, but let's set that aside for a second. There's three main ways, and here's the key to happiness in raising your average sale price. Do all three. Don't just choose one. So point A, yes, socially network your way in. Join the country club. Do events. I'm thinking about uh, one of our coaching clients in, well, in Laguna Beach that does like the tr- the beach cleanup and let, the farmer's market and all that stuff. Let me interject here. We're yeah. not speaking uh, from theory here. Julie and I actually did this. Yeah. yeah. And our, when we originally started selling real estate, our first year in the business in our early 20s, we sold 103 houses. Our close and pendings were over 100 units. Broken all records for first year sales success. And I believe that record still stands. Well, that's quite a, a feat, right? Well, before you give us too much credit, um, we really didn't know what we had done that until the year was almost over because we weren't tracking. But yeah. that aside. And our average sale price was based largely on first-time buyer stuff. Exactly. And that was the point I was trying to make. So Julie and I got started in an area called Clintonville and, you know, Worthington and, and, and Central Ohio and Beachwald. And those were, you know, first-time homebuyer type price ranges. But after our third or fourth year in the business, we were ready for a new challenge. And so we literally picked up uh, our business, we kept the you know the original business going, and then we moved across town to this all area called New Albany Country Club, where the average sale price was probably closer to a million. And so we took our sales skills and success from the previous market, and then we adapted them to the luxury market, one of the most expensive markets at the time in Ohio, probably still is, and we are successful there as well. Bottom line being, you can move up market, and these were the three essentially the three things we did that made it so that we had a good a foothold in that new market. Yes. Yeah, so I remember before we even moved our house there, we would go on walks there. We would get to know, you know, the walking trail and the golf course and the country club. And we would go to events and meet people there and do social things like wine tastings. And, you know, there we, was... We'd go out and park our car and we'd literally walk around um, the New Albany Country Club. We'd walk around a walking path. I don't even know how long it was. Long. Long. Yeah. <laughs> and we'd walk around. We'd look yeah. at the houses in the backyards. We'd say hello to people. We just basically, you know, we were just trying to breathe the air because, you know, that's... Well, we it. didn't grow up like that. So we had to try and integrate. Exactly. You know, the equestrian events and all, yep. all of that kind of stuff that you can go Charity to. Charity events. Even yep. if you don't live there, you can do some of the events. So socially network your way in. Now, that by itself is not predictable or duplicatable. I cannot tell you exactly what day that will start working for you. So you can't just do that. You have to also do these other things. Julie, it really does make sense. And maybe this isn't something that a lot of them are going to want to hear. But if Mm -hmm. you don't live in the market, if you're wanting to go up market, is that your third point? Oh, sorry. I'm not going to step on Julie's <laughs> third okay. point. Sorry. So, yeah, but I mean the yeah. social, the socially networking your uh, your way into things really will only work in uh, if you live there. And it's I'm, so much easier if you live there, especially be, if you have kids and the kids are networking for you. You're well, doing kids stuff. If you don't live in, for example, New Albany Country Club, and you're trying to socially network at the New Albany Country Club, and you don't live there, yeah, they're, they're not they're going to block you from basically having any kind of real. Sure. Well, even look here. I mean, if you right. don't live in our current neighborhood, right. it's pretty hard to. to Pe- uh, people naturally. There. I remember when Julie and I were just any place. You guys can experience this too. People will try to, you know, the modern way of thinking of it is tribing up. But if you're trying to, uh, you know, infiltrate, let's say, a new market where the higher sell where the average sale price is higher. People are going to try to find out if you live there. And if you live there, they're going to assume you have similar values. Yeah, are you one of them? Right, You're. are you one of them? And if you're not, they're not necessarily going to want to – it's going to be harder for you to buddy up to them. You can do it eventually, but it's not going to be as easy as if you actually physically live there. 
That's right. So uh, let's see, point number B, and here's the, here's the rub. Here we are again. Prospect your way in. That's right. For sale by owners do exist in luxury markets. Expireds. Nextdoor.com has been really good for some of our coaching clients lately, Tim. Um, this is actually the most efficient with the fastest results. While we were getting to know those neighborhoods, we were also expired hunting. Oh, hell yeah. We expired <laughs> hunting every morning. And a matter of fact, we got some, that's really how we got our, uh, I remember you and I had a hundred expireds all fourth quarter of the previous year. We had a whole bunch of contracts signed, and I remember how much fun it was putting them all for sale over like a two-week span. And yep. the old guard realtors there were just like aghast that we had taken all that. The l- those listings at that. Yes. And I remember one of them in particular was yep. uh, so shocked that we were able to take that many listings. He ba- he was respectful, but he was also kind of threatening and saying that we're going to start keeping our eye on you and not take you guys, you know, basically know that you're going to be calling expireds and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, the, and those well-entrenched realtors that never actually learn how to prospect but are the upper end agents who are all socially connected playing golf and whatnot um they're they're the ones that are the easiest to beat because the sellers ultimately when the market starts to transition towards a buyer's market the sellers are going to be looking for somebody who's actually going to work to get the listing sold and if they only know you know tony the realtor from playing golf uh, and they see Tim and Julie out there basically holding open houses and doing the real work of real estate. Tony might be their best friend and, you know, he might be a great uh, golfing partner, but he's not going to get the listing because they're not confident the house will sell. So they're going to start being more selective of who they're going to list with. Well, and that that's not even remotely that. speculative. That's where you read my mind. We literally heard that from the mouth of uh, one of our best clients ever, Dr. Paula. Yeah. Um, who I can't remember was, I think he was, he did have something expire, I think. And he said, you know, uh, he said something about all I see these local agents. I only see him on the golf cart. Yep. Of course I see you guys. And he, I think he had responded from that, uh, big open that we had on Ely court. Who knows? But he, the he, point was, the point was that he noticed yeah. here's a guy in the community we had no previous relationship with that in normal circumstances, we never would have listed anything for because there was no connection. Okay. Who noticed that we were working our butts off and one thing led to the next and one listing led to the next. But, and, also, but he literally said, all I see them doing is playing golf. And a lot of the other expireds in the business we started to pick up after that, they would say iterations of, yeah. uh, they take us for granted. Mm-hmm. They, t- they took my listing for granted. They yes, didn't work yes, the listing. They were assumptive. They were assumptive. They didn't show the house. They didn't try to sell the house. They were just putting it in the MLS and then they're, I, I, remember, I mean, we can tell you so many funny <laughs> stories, guys. But, I but want the you, luxury agents really are fairly easy to compete against. They are the easiest to compete yeah. against. Not at all markets obviously no. but for the most part if you want to if you want to know where you can once you perfect your skill set or even get good at your skill set with how to list properties and you go to one of these luxury markets that's where you can clean up I mean, really, truthfully, because many of those agents, they're successful in those markets because of tenure. They've been there longer. Mm-hmm. They play tennis. They are maybe the husbands more socially are, embedded, probably husband or the wives of somebody who's an executive. Or those types of those are you know PTA swim club. That's how they have their relationships. And you can do all that social stuff too. But in addition to that, if you actually are going to be a proactive lead generator, you will be shocked how fast you can actually um, how you how you can Infiltrate. dominate the market. Rob Johnson in Greenwich, Connecticut. Yeah. Um, we've coached him for seven years. I didn't 
didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. He told me seven years. I hadn't been keeping track, to be honest with you. I keep track of him because I distinctly remember talking to him uh, when Zoe was a baby and she's oh, seven. That's how that's I know it was seven years. <laughs> yeah. And so Rob was new effectively in real estate. And now he's the number one realtor in Greenwich, Connecticut, which is one of the most expensive real estate places on, uh, home, you know, communities on planet Earth. And with absolutely well-entrenched blue blood agents that go back to like the foundation of the United States. Well, it's right? Greenwich, Connecticut. Come on. You can't go much more blue blood exactly. than that. I mean, so Rob was competing against people who were related to like past presidents and stuff. I mean, it was mm-hmm. ridiculous. And so why did he get the business? Why did they choose him? And he wasn't, he, is, he wasn't even American. He's British for gosh sakes. The reason is, is because he outworked them. He would work, he would do things the other agents wouldn't. The other agents were jetting off to Paris for all of August. Guys, that's what rich people do, by the way. Yeah, no, that, that's real. We learned that when we lived in New <laughs> Albany. They take entire months off and they go to yeah. they go to Europe. I mean, come on now. So if you want to really get yeah. a hold in a marketplace, do what the other agents aren't willing to do because they, you know, frank, frank, essentially they're not that professional, really. It's, it's true. Yeah. Well, and, and to some of our past clients' points, that you know, they do kind of take the business for granted after a while. So you can take advantage of that. And then the last point we've already talked about, move there and embed yourself in the community to what Tim said, you know, it's much easier when you're actually right there. You you hear, but, you know, not every event is publicized. Some things are going to be on your neighborhood Facebook page or your next door page, where if you're not living in the community, maybe you don't have that membership. So it does definitely pay off to actually move there. You have to make more of a commitment to a community personally when you're wanting to go upper end than if you were just selling normal That's sale true. price houses. That's true. And one last thing, because I know you have to go, yep. is be careful that you select uh, with some knowledge behind you, because in most markets, there's a certain price range or area where it doesn't actually sell that well, you can actually go too high and have too many days on the market and too many demands. Now, that's not so true right now today with the hot markets, right. but you do have to do a little bit of research before you decide you know, to pull up roots and move your whole family to one of these markets. Yeah. I mean, so. that's a really good point because, for example, New Albany now mm-hmm. has been in the doldrums forever. Yeah. So the area that you know, Julie and I basically went there just after the peak of what property values were doing there, and they had sort of leveled off, weren't really appreciating or inflating anymore. The sort of the big uh, boom in New Albany is sort of, you know, coming to a, uh, you know, slowing down. And New Albany was fed by prominently the limited. So limited brand, Victoria's Secret, Bath and Body Works. And there were a whole bunch of ancillary services, but they were all related to Les Wexner's, um, you know, the limited uh, uh, companies, companies. Yeah. Of which, like I said, Abercrombie and Fitch, uh, Lane Bryant. I mean, there were gazillions uh, brands that he essentially had corporate headquarters right there. And most of those people lived in, guess where, New Albany Country Club. Well, as Wexner started to sell off those brands, and you guys know, it's, you know, essentially uh, the limited is, uh, I don't even know if, what, I don't think it got sold. I don't I even think know. He sold it too. But when I go to the MLS, which I do occasionally, and I look to see what property values are doing, they're still selling for the prices that uh, Julie and I were selling them for. When did we move out of New Albany? How many years ago? 2005. Was? Think about that. But it is, you know, some of it's starting to bounce back now that one of the record sales That's true. Was, was in New Albany recently. Uh, but, you but, know, like always, it takes a while to get there with the rest of the country. But the people that are moving and buying those luxury Different. houses are people that are coming from California yes, because they're right. they're leaving with their equity and they're going to be virtual workers. So yeah. it's, it's this new and mass- you can buy way more house still in an area like Ohio if you're coming from California. I mean, we see that with lots of... I have a client in Paducah, Kentucky seeing that. But as far as so, that being a reload yeah. area, that right. area is pretty flat. Yes, this I mean, is true. I mean, really, if you look well, at... Well, so to your point, you know, if we were looking to make a similar move now, 
you know, and you were to look at a New Albany, you would look at the average days in the market is probably higher than when we were starting to uh, work there. And the other thing we didn't mention when we were, were moving there, we didn't just hunt expireds and socially, you know, embed ourselves. We also were working with builders right? as it was being built up. And that's a big advantage, too, but in our, some of your up-and-coming areas. Just to really make this point, because it's yeah. important. We mm-hmm. moved from there, uh, based on your math, 16 years ago. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that long? No. No. Yeah, 16 years probably ago. Not. Yeah. Yeah. So I, our house, 7334 Berkeley Square South, uh-huh. is probably worth exactly what probably we sold it close. for a 16 close. years ago. Yeah. Right? Well, and, and that is symptomatic of a lot of um, higher-end markets. And we, we've told stories before about Muirfield, which was the previous New Albany, that, right. you know, 10 years before New Albany. Um, so all we're saying is do your research and don't overdo it. It's kind of like when you guys try and get into BPOs and REOs, you're like, well, I'm only going to do a BPO in a luxury market. Well, guess what? There aren't that many. And you know, guess do your what? Research. That, that luxury market could essentially be flat. So again, do your research. That's really- I, I kind of like the almost like the under market. You know, like the executive, the feeder, market. The feeder market that's yeah. like for most people, depending on where you are, you know, instead of going after 2 million, maybe the 550 to 750 works like this. Well, what we're talking about is you have yeah. your first time home buyer market, then you have your move up market, and then you have your next move up market. Mm-hmm. And then some people, not everyone, then will have a move up mark, a move up price beyond that. Yeah, but that. some people will live in that second move up home or, forever. Or the third, you know, or right? Or the third. So, yeah. the, and, but the first time home buyer market for, appeals to first time home buyers, but also downsizers. Mm-hmm. But so does that secondary market. Well, there's absolutely, there are, there's more demand for that. Right. And there's more ability to actually buy that, right? So as you go up market, there's, you know, the amount of people that can, can actually close for, especially today for all cash, well, dwindles. And, but the reason is very academic, right? Oh, sorry. Uh, that's my Facebook live alarm. Oh, you know what? We got to go, <laughs> don't we? So, Yep. <laughs> so you're so everyone needs a house to live in, so that you're yeah, always going to sure. have a steady supply of first-time buyers, which are also investors and downsizers and all those com- competing buyers. People need more space, so you're always going to have that move-up buyer, mm-hmm. right? And then then you have the you know people that then they move past the maybe the four-bedroom, two and a half bath, and that nice middle-class area, and then they want to move to the city on the hill. Okay, and those are people that are going to basically be, you know, more financially secure. Maybe they're in their forties, and a lot of people that's where the, that's the end of their moving yeah, spectrum. That's where they'll raise their kids, and right, and then they downsize from there. Now, there's another, there's several moves up from there in some uh, market segments where then you go to the luxury buyer, and the New Albany Country Club area that we're describing was your luxury buyer. Mm-hmm. That's somebody that basically financially, obviously, is better off than the first three tiers of buyers. But that market is very fragile in many parts of the uh, of the country because those people absolutely do not need to buy those houses. Yep. And so that becomes something that the people reward themselves with when they feel like they've succeeded. And they, that does a lot better in, in hotter times. Exactly. Right? Because to, to your point, right, let's say that I've moved three times. I'm in my you know second move up house. I got plenty of space. I got my kids in good schools. I don't have to. There's no real have to move up to that luxury market. And that's one of the first things that you'll see when the market changes is that the average days in the market will start stretching in out. In that price point. In that price point, right. you'll get more inventory, you know. Um, so it's something to keep track of. And I, I also recommend that you don't put all of your eggs in that basket. Even when we were in New Albany, we're still selling in Clintonville, Heck Beach, yeah. and Worthington. Absolutely. Well, hopefully all this uh, questioning, or rather the que- the questions you guys asked, hopefully we're sufficiently answering them. We're going to uh, pick up where we left off. Uh, today, tomorrow. In the meantime, if you guys would like to get your free real estate treasure map, just simply text 2021 to 855-685-1045. 
text 2021-855-685-1045. If you'd like to join Julie and I at eXp, feel, please feel free to text me directly at 512-758-0206. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day, and we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.